Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome aboard for episode 230. Delete. Delete. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. (laughs) I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Welcome aboard the TARDIS. Who fans, listeners, podcast listeners. It's great to have you back with us for another week. Uh, We're going to be a little bit light on the old news front, as usual, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some cool bits of merch to go through, though. One of them quite interesting. Yeah. Which will be good. And then we're on to our review of the Tenth Doctor story, the two-parter. Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one that we haven't watched in quite a while, it seems. No, no. I haven't anyway. I haven't watched this in a couple of years, I don't think. I think the last time I did a Tenant or something rewatch, going through the modern stuff. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk through those two, for sure. Yeah, I must admit, uh, yeah, it's it's been a very long time since I've gone back to this two-parter. Uh, for whatever reason, so yeah, it's going. I'm looking forward to chatting through that. I've got some, I've got some thoughts on it. I've got some stuff to to say. Oh yes, <laughs> got a few little notes. Oh yes, a few notes indeed. Yeah. How have you been, buddy? Have you been up to anything who related? Mm. Uh, yeah, I've been good. Um, who related? No, I don't know really. I've I've been. I started a new Who book, uh, the Doctor and the Cricket Men. Um, just started that. Oh uh, yeah, which yeah. is uh, by James Goss. I'm only a couple of chapters in actually. Um. So that's good. I always like it when I start a new new Doctor Who book. I always feel like I'm... Because me and you have the same thing, don't we? We have a massive pile of books, and it's just like <laughs> finding time to read them. So, yeah, I'm in a couple of chapters into that, and it's um, it's James Goss, but I think it was originally in Douglas Adams' like, unfinished story. I'm not quite sure what the thing is behind it. Um, and it starts off really funny. <laughs> 
And then it took an <laughs> incredibly dark turn very quickly. And I'm only on chapter four or five. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. I like that. It does have that very Douglas Adams feel to it. Uh, I can see this sort of fitting into the later end of Tom's era. So that's cool. So I started that. Um, apart from that, I haven't really been doing anything dot two wise. I've been to see end game. Of course I've had to go and finish oh, yeah. up that story. Yep. Yep. Um, have you seen it? I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but have you seen it? I have mate. Yes. And cause I can never remember. Are you a Marvel or DC person or neither? It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. I remember we've had this discussion <laughs> and I can't remember what the, I can't remember what the outcome was. Yeah. 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 So I used, well, I'm, I'm a DC comics fan. That's it. But in the movie world, I'm a Marvel fan. You're a Marvel fan, sort of right. switched over, yeah. I used to be yeah. a big on, like back in the day, the, the original Batman movies and stuff were amazing. Mm. But the DC films over the last few years, um, the Batman versus Superman and Justice League have just been absolutely dire. Whereas Marvel have been amazing for the most part. I think yeah. most, yeah. if not all of their films have been really, really good. Yes. I must admit, I'm probably more on the Marvel side. Uh, without giving any spoilers away or anything, did you enjoy Endgame? A good good wrap-up to the Infinity War, did you think? I did enjoy it, mate. I thought they really pushed the boat out with mm-hmm. what they were doing. Um, and, yeah, there was just so much going on. But it wasn't crazy enough that you thought, I'm completely lost. It was it was all there. They, yeah. just, they really went nuts with what they wanted to, to do with it. But one thing I will say, when I left the cinema... It really sh- it knocked me for six for about a day afterwards. Honestly, yeah, I, yeah because thinking about it, yeah, just yeah. yeah, a couple of events that happened throughout the film. Mm. It re- like especially towards the end, I was that really hit me hard, like mm. proper. Like that. It, it's weird because I've, I, for a superhero film, I've never once ever teared up in the cinema. I've never thought about it for hours <laughs> have you no like, emotion sir <laughs> I've, honestly i've never it's never they've never affected me in that way yeah but for a day literally 24 hours afterwards i was still thinking about it and still kind of down and melancholy mrs blue box was like you what are you all right you seem <laughs> a bit down i'm like yeah i'm fine i'm just you know still and she was like i'll just grow up just get over it but uh, <laughs> yes did you enjoy the, the the as a conclusion to the infinity saga I, I, I think they're calling it I did. I did. Yeah. I thought it I thought it had a lot to do and I thought it was very good. And um, I, I was a bit because it starts off because Infinity War is quite sort of fun and zesty and there's loads of action stuff. This one starts off quite slow, doesn't it? So I was a bit like first sort of 20 minutes thinking, gosh, the, the, the difference in pace is quite yeah. different yeah. To, to Infinity War. But I did enjoy it overall. You saying about um, like not getting lost of it, though, <laughs> this is not the, this is not the film to start with. I had a couple behind me. And I assume that maybe they're on a date or something. And they were trying to be quiet, but all I could hear was him explaining everything to her. <laughs> and to the point yeah. where I knew that she must be new, because I heard her say, why is he a tree? <laughs> Talking about Groot. And I thought, if she doesn't know who Groot is, oh, no. this is just going to, this is not boding well. <laughs> but yeah. they were like, he's a tree. And I was thinking, I was getting really cross, but I thought they are at least trying to be quiet. Because one thing that drives me nuts in a cinema is when people start talking for a film. And normally they don't even bother to try and be quiet. So, but yeah, no, I thought it was a very good conclusion. Actually, talking of um, being affected by film, I finally got around to watching the Spider Man Spider Verse film the other day i don't know what's taken me so long man i love that and that's got a real cool emotional i wasn't expecting it because it's animation i don't really never expect to be particularly moved by an animation film but but that's a great film have you seen that 
It's amazing. It's probably one of the best Spider-Man films. Oh, you see, it's ever. brilliant. Yeah. It's so amazing. good. It's so good. And I know we're a Doctor podcast. So I don't want to sort of drift off, but uh, <laughs> but that was uh, yeah, a bit like you. After I finished watching, it, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was so good. I love the fact it was trying to do something different as well, and it it mm. totally succeeds. I love that film. So I've been yeah, I've been watching quite a bit of films recently. I have done some Doctor Who stuff though. I've been having a good old clear out. I think I was inspired by your your clear out that you've been having oh, so i, I ventured up yeah. yeah i ventured up into the loft Matt, do you know what those picks don't even scratch the surface of the stuff that was coming out that loft it was one of those that after about 20 minutes of starting it i was sat there thinking why did i do why <laughs> did i start this because there was just stuff everywhere um i found some right little gems up in the loft though i mean i found like an old hat cap from the um, Ultimate Adventure stage play. I was like, oh my word, I've still what got this. This is yeah. amazing. Um, so much big finish because I've got, I've got literally, I've got so much big finish, but I haven't really got anywhere to put it at the minute. So it's in these sort of uh, shelf bits, if you like, but they're in the loft. So they, they're kind of all there sort of stacked, but mm. you know, they're not on display. And I was just going through it and I was like, I really wanted all my box sets down because I want to try and put them on display because I love, you know, I love the big finish box set. Oh, it was just, yeah, it was just, I don't know. I'm, I've had to put a lot of it back out there, but I had to throw away boxes, which was not good for me because I'm not big finish boxes, but figure boxes. So I'd got like stuff like um, I've got these doctor's figurines that you may have seen on my shelf and stuff. And I've still got the boxes up there that have got great big bits of polystyrene in. And I was like, I really should just, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not very good at throwing stuff away. Like I'm thinking, am I ever going to put it back in the box? I know what I'll do. I'll throw the polystyrene away. I'll keep the box and flatten it just in case he ever goes back in and stuff like that. So it was, it was quite, um, it did feel good at the end of the day. I managed to clear out some stuff. So it's always a good feeling when you declutter a bit. But yeah, whew. that was, I was so glad when I got that stuff back up in the loft and got everything square, I tell you. Yeah, you never quite realise just how much of a chore it is until you're half well you're 10 minutes in and oh, you think i was sat on the bed just surrounded yeah. by it thinking what <laughs> am i doing yes it was horrendous um the only other thing is um i also i think it was a couple of podcasts back do you remember i said i would never order from eagle moss again because i'd had yeah. such bad service so <laughs> i've been keeping an eye on they did a fourth doctor uh tardis console Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, as soon as they announced it, I was like, ah, oh, definitely going to get one of those. Definitely. Get it. So I put it on back order, but I always back order it with Forbidden Planet because at least I know that there's a good chance that they'll send it. Anyway, long story short, this is over a year ago, well over a year ago. They're still sat on back order. They never got stock of it from Ecomos for some reason. Uh, and they were going for about 40 quid on eBay. And I'm thinking, no, no, not paying that. And I saw it was on the Ecomos website and it was reduced to 16.99 plus i could get 15 percent off with a discount code so i was thinking i'm gonna risk it i'm you know for that price and i've been waiting over a year for this blooming thing i'm just gonna cancel it off fb and i'm gonna risk getting it from eagle boss and uh, i have to say i don't know what's happened whether they've <laughs> had a major reshuffle in the service but it arrived two days later and i was like oh so I got it for a really good price and delivered because they've started using, is it DPD or something like that? I don't know. One of the big companies um, that, you know, kind of gets tracked. So maybe they've sorted their game out and I might order from their game. Because I did vow they were so bad before. I did vow I'd never order from them again. But yeah. 
maybe they've sorted their, their stuff out. But somebody did tweet me and say, no, I can assure you they haven't. So I'm guessing there's still a few bad <laughs> experiences going off out there. But it's really cool. I don't know if you saw my pictures. It's, um, I did, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. It's really hard to tell what size it is from the picture because I was like, well, if their figures are quite small. So is it going to be really tiny? But it's a decent size. It's not big enough for the five-inch figures, but it's... It's a decent size. I can't even think how big it is, really. But yeah, it's a good little thing, and I'm I'm really chuffed with it because I said I've been wanting it for ages. So that was my little sort of treat for the week, <laughs> if you like. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I haven't been out to, up to much else, mate. I've been getting quite jealous. I saw lots of people at Wales Comic Con meeting Sir David of Tennant. Um, as you know, I I've still to meet that man. So. Um, I saw a lot of friends getting pictures with him, which is really cool. Like my friend Dean and our mate Ad um, got to meet him for the first time. And it is so cool to see David doing some UK cons. So that's, that's awesome. I am really chuffed for them, despite being very jealous. I'm very, very pleased to see him. You know, so many people meeting him. It's really cool. And he was there with Billy as well. I bet they had an absolute blast. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I bet they had a really good time. Yeah, I was a bit jealous of those pics as well. Yeah. Because Wales Comic Con just crept up out of nowhere, for me mm. anyway. I remember a couple of years ago, it wasn't that big a con really, and it's grown quite a bit over the last couple of years, isn't it? And um, you and yeah. I were talking about it, I think, a few weeks back. But the Saturday was already sold out, and yeah, so. But no, some great that, picks from there. I've heard some, I know that a lot of people say the organisation is terrible there. I mean, I've never been to one, and there were people saying this year's was a slight improvement, but still really bad. So apparently people were queuing for their photo shoots out in the rain because they queue you outside so by the time they got to have the photo taken they were drenched in wales <laughs> which, doesn't, which doesn't say yeah i know which doesn't sound too good but i mean i can't I, I obviously have never been so i can't comment on that but i did hear a few things saying yeah organization wasn't too hot but and overcrowded as well oversold i kept seeing loads of tweets saying it was oversold and stuff which i think is one of the things we have a major bugbear for isn't it when we go to Oh, any yeah. con yep, like yep. if lfcc whatever if they oversell it it's just horrible but but yeah some cool picks coming out there good to see david and billy doing some uk cons and stuff so yeah let's hope they do some more eh hopefully yeah one if they're one of them will be added last minute again to lfcc oh, that'll be fun in games i don't think my my blood pressure could take it if they <laughs> do that again <laughs> oh, i haven't got any hair left as it is i'll be pulling those few remaining strands out if they do that again Indeed. with david Tennant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's been me, dude. Yeah, that's been me this week. What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I've not, uh, I've not done anything Doctor Who this week. I haven't even no, watched any no. ex- extra Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Um, apart from our two review stories, I've not, uh, I've not dabbled. I've just been sitting there moping over Endgame, <laughs> Endgame, and the pictures from Wales Comic Con. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Are you reading anything at the minute? Are you reading any book at the minute? Uh, yeah, but not Doctor Who though. All right, okay. Yeah. I just wondered what you're on because I know you got a few of the. I'm looking up now. What they called? What was the like the? Well, I don't know. I know you bought a few of the novels that I've got. I'm looking up on my shelf to see what they were called. Uh, you know them if you saw the cover. I know you got a few of them, like the round round heads one or whatever they're called. You still got them? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're on the shelf. To Human be nature read. and all that. Those are the ones yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're on the shelf to be read. As, as, as an, it was probably about uh, 10 books, I would say. Yeah. On the shelf that I haven't read yet. Uh, yeah, so I have to get around to that at some point. <laughs> but no, very quiet. The only thing, um, still trying to plan out LFCC though, talking about conventions. 
mm. I'm still trying to plan out who to see and so on. Because um, I have added a few extra people, haven't they, since you and I last spoke about it. Yeah, no one really grabbing me. I'd say that compared to last year, uh, this year's really not set me like but in a way that's a good thing because i keep thinking about well that's good because i won't be rushing around spending lots and lots of money because i think there's literally two people um that i really want to meet and the rest are a bit like yeah so it could be a good thing actually you don't want to meet brendan fraser no (laughs) (laughs) not bothered about him so who are you up for then eccleston and shatner no, 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 because I've met Eccleston, so I won't be I won't be paying another eighty five to meet him. No, uh, William Shatner and um, Jenna Coleman. Jenna, oh, okay, they're yeah. the only two that I've got on my radar at the minute. Yeah. Are you sure about Jenna Coleman, based on your frosty past? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, I'll give her another chance. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm sure she'll be fine if I'm put, if she sees the pound signs. I'm sure she'll be. I'm sure she can put on a smile. She might yeah. be like, um, if anyone's a fan of uh, uh, Star Trek spoofy kind of things there's a uh, an amazing film that came out ages ago called galaxy quest oh gosh i remember, remember that. that and yeah. uh, one of the characters who was in the original show he was played by um alan rickman and he's oh, like this yeah. alien uh, character in the sort of star trekky type show but in real life he's a real grumpy and the film opens at a convention and he's at the table signing and it's so funny because people go up with the photograph to get signed and he's like snatching it out of their hand not even looking at them. a quick sharpie squiggle and like flinging it back and he's just doing it over and over again i can imagine jenna just sitting there like here we go here we Fan go well, boys, well, come on <laughs> give me the show me the dollar yeah. i must admit i won't be getting a, I won't be getting her autograph but I, I just want to get a picture with her would be cool yeah so yeah you can do yeah. some sort of secret hand thing to in to, to people who know what you're talking about you're sort of insulting her in a way but she doesn't realize that yeah 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 no i was was just thinking actually william shatner's got a bit of a reputation for being a bit grumpy yes i've heard people say like they go up to him and like say hello mr shatner thank you please sign this he's just like doesn't even like (laughs) acknowledge them just does a scribble shoves it back but i've never met him before so i don't i don't know (laughs) sure has anyone got a sharpie (laughs) <laughs> for me mate i'm gonna uh, try and get sophie eldred because i haven't uh, had an autograph or a pick with her for about three or four years now so it'd be yeah. good to say hello to her again uh, possibly mccoy uh, i haven't met bernard cribbins before so i might do him um and uh, is sophie at lfcc yeah dude oh cool because yeah. i might I'm, yeah i might get a professional with her because yeah i've got one and it was really rubbish actually it was really dark i was so disappointed so i might get another one with her She's there on the Sunday. £10 for a pick with Sophie, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's very good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So she's there on a Sunday. And if you want uh, a pick with her and McCoy, they're doing a double photo shoot. That's 30 quid. That's the one I really want. Um, I think I'm going to get that because they're both at Collectomania in Birmingham, which is before. So I might get it there because it might be quieter. But uh, yeah, that's the, I really want that dual shot of those two. One of my favourite TARDIS teams they are. In, yes. Seven yeah. and ace. 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 Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so McCoy's there uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Baker's there Saturday, Sunday. And Sophie Eldred's there on Sunday. What about John Leeson, old K9? He's there just on Friday. Well, actually, um, no, I won't be getting... Because I've got, I've got the sort of ultimate picture of Leeson with, um, with the K9 prop, which I got again. I think it was Collectomania last year in Birmingham. And it's just, it's just the best picture. I couldn't be happier with it. So... I, I kind of don't need to meet him again. 
it's I, I it's one of my favorite pictures actually it's me him and k9 together it's a it was a cracker that they did yeah i haven't nice. seen them I, just, I don't know why i keep thinking they'll bring that prop out again because it's such a cool thing to do to have him next to the prop with yourself in it but they're not doing that again this year are they it's just him just which him. is fine yeah. but uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and those of you that haven't met chris eccleston yet uh, you want to meet him he's attending saturday only uh, if you want a photo shoot it's 85 quid and the autograph is 95 mm. so i've just started following him really. on twitter actually do you follow him on twitter i do yes I've literally just started, because I didn't realise he joined. Well, I, I think I saw it, but thought, well, it's probably not the real. No, but he's verified yeah. and everything. It's the real guy. And uh, he's been quite funny on there, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's been, like, replying to tweets with some very... Because, you know, there are a few idiots out there that post stuff that's just just makes you roll your eyes. And he's kind of been giving as good as he gets with some of them. And I, I mean, he's quite funny on Twitter. Mm-hmm. On on Instagram, yeah. I mean, not, not Twitter. Insta, yeah. Instagram, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple of weird photos on the Instagram as well, though, like random yeah. things that I don't even know if it's him or his wife or I don't know where they are or anything. But yeah, I know. I yeah. put one up there, uh, just yesterday of a of a rack of a sign or something. And I was like, "What's that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a bit, a bit strange. A bit weird, yeah. is old Chris. Hmm. hmm. Good to see him getting out there though, and <laughs> yeah, branching uh, out a bit more. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you and Coming I thought, yeah, last year when he was announced, you and I thought that was a one-off because he's been so cagey about conventions and so on we thought well that was yeah. nice to have him for that one time <laughs> yeah but he obviously didn't mind so yeah because he's coming back yeah must be the money <laughs> uh, other who stars uh, we've got john barrowman uh jenna coleman as adam said and who else bernard cribbins and peter purvis john levine and i believe that's it oh nicola bryant as well Oh, cool. Well, they've got a couple of good Who guests then. That's that's good. Yes. Yeah, and she's there on a Sunday only. Have they got any comic bookie people uh, from Doctor Who? Any cover artists? Anyone like that? Mm. Well, you're looking. Am I right in thinking that Matt Smith has finally been confirmed for Star Wars? Or is it still just a rumour? Because I saw a tweet the other day saying, oh, Disney have confirmed him or something. Yeah, well, because well, he's denying it. <laughs> yeah it, it's not been confirmed oh it's not been confirmed okay I thought they'd finally come confirmed it but no it, it's one of those uh, it was a bit like when Matt Smith was in that Terminator film yeah oh dear Years yeah. Of, yeah oh dear yeah so I remember for a few months <laughs> they were like Matt Smith's going to be in the Terminator film but they didn't announce it officially and then it was mm. but they didn't so he might be because I'm just thinking if he's in that I'd, he probably won't be out of CC this year again oh god no he no. will be too busy no. yeah yeah uh, so anyway, yeah, we'll be at LFCC this year if you want to go down, if you fancy getting into uh, into London for that weekend. Wallets at the ready. It's a, yeah. a bit, well, it doesn't have to be pricey, but if you want to uh, meet some of the more high-end, famousy people, it can be a bit pricey. And also they've got a ton of stalls and merch and all that lot. It can be pricey, but it's a good, it's a good weekend. Uh, it sounds like you're not going to be as stressed this time. I hope not. I mean, last year was something else. They just had every single doctor apart from McCoy, didn't it? It was something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, hopefully this year will be a bit um, bit more chilled. Yeah. I haven't bought my ticket yet, but I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. We need to do that. Otherwise, we won't be going. (laughs) No, otherwise, we won't be there. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to do for our waffle. Uh, There's no news this week. uh, So, should we bring our metal buddy in and see what he's got? Mmm. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. 
merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be trots. Yeah, you didn't have to slam it down. <laughs> Christ. Ah, right, we've got a couple of bits of merch to go through. The first one is Mr. Eccleston, who we've just been chatting about, is releasing yeah. an autobiography. Wowzers. Uh, that's not out until September. Yeah, September. And it's called I Love the Bones of You, Christopher Eccleston. Odd title. What's that a reference to? I don't know. It might be something mm. he's been in. I'm I love sure. the bones of you. Yeah, yeah. just wondered. Mm, okay. Yeah, so uh, he's um, bringing out... How old is Chris Eccleston now? Is he Ooh. in his 50s? He must be. I'd put him around about 49, 50 maybe, yeah. Let's confirm this. Let's, let's, let's go to the very reliable Wikipedia. Yes, <laughs> he is in fact 55. No, really? Okay, blimey. No BS, yeah, <clears throat> 55. Uh, so anyway, he's finally bringing out a, an autobiography uh, and there's a little bit of gumph that goes along with it. So drawing on his memories, Chris will describe a vivid life growing up in Salford, working class household in the 70s with his siblings, loving mother and the uh, totemic figure of his hardworking, serious minded and socialist father, Ronnie. Uh, how his life changed from a potential future as a factory fodder and his native Northwest, uh, to the deep-rooted desire to perform on stage and what developed into a burgeoning acting career from his stunning film debut, Let Him Have It, to the BBC's landmark drama miniseries, Our Friends in the North. And it goes on to say a few more things of Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford, uh, BBC One series, The A Word, no mention of Doctor Who. Oh, no, no, it does say there, mate. <clears throat> it does say his remarkable relaunch of iconic Doctor Who franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah, but there's no... um. Uh, that's not like first on the bill, so they don't. Oh, con- I see what you mean. Yeah, they don't no. consider it to be. Uh, well, he did one. I know, as Who fans, well, you and I anyway, and probably it's the bit we want. <laughs> yeah, as Who fans, it, um, you know, we would we. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? We expect it to be front and center, but mm. for the rest of the world who appreciates all of the other stuff he's been in, in reality, <laughs> he only did one series of Doctor Who, so they probably don't really. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to note to see how much he does cover actually, because I got a feeling it's gonna be pretty sparse. Because it, it he was so closed about Doctor Who for so many years, wasn't he? He wouldn't be drawn on it, and then suddenly I don't know what sparked it. He suddenly started talking about it in interviews, didn't he? To the point when he actually admitted that he fell out with RTD, which shocked me to the core. I never imagined those two would fallen out. So it'd be very interesting to see how candid he is in this and how much detail he goes into, but. I'm guessing it's just going to be a, a chapter. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Or I mean, a couple of lines. I don't know. It's yeah. hard to say. I get the feeling that a, most of the, well, a, a big chunk of the book will more likely be around his upbringing and his family because the blurb that comes with the book does mention his father quite a lot. It's about... It does sound like that, doesn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's about dealing with the loss of his father and... Mm. Uh, the, the condition that he had and the effect on his family and stuff and all that stuff. So I think a large portion of it is going to be around a personal stuff. Um, mm. And it might be a bit like Peter Davison's autobiography. I was expecting a, quite a lot of that about to be about Doctor Who. And it turns out mm. there wasn't that much in there, really. It kind of skirted around his initial process for getting the part. Mm. And then there was a few bits around conventions in later years and stuff, but there wasn't anything juicy like, oh yeah, that's 
you know, we knew there was friction between these two and he elaborate. he didn't elaborate on anything really. He didn't. No, I must admit as much as I, cause I really enjoyed reading Peter's biography, but I, I also found it frustrating because every time he started to get into something interesting about Dr. Who, like you said, he kind of skimmed over it. So there was a bit where he started talking about the five doctors and I was thinking, oh, brilliant. You know, the chapter started, you know, about the filming. And I thought, there's so much you could have gone into, isn't there, to the five doctors. Yeah. You met all those previous doctors and everything that went with it. And he basically just didn't say anything at all. It just, I think it was like a page on it. And then he started talking about the play he was in, in current time. And I was thinking, no, Peter, go back and tell us about the five doctors. So there was quite a bit like that, where it was sort of, he would start sort of lure you in and then just tell you nothing and, and start talking about something completely different, like his, a song that he wrote for a TV show or something. You're like, no, go back to what you were just saying, Peter. Um, but it, I'm, I must admit, having said that, I did really enjoy his book. There's a great bit about conventions at the end. But but yeah, he did skim over a lot. There's so much more he could have put in. In fact, he did an interview for Doctor Who magazine to publicize the book, I think the month before, that actually gave you a better insight into his time of Doctor Who than his biography. That's true, yeah. 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 It was so. quite political, that interview, though, because that was when yeah. the, the early throes of Brexit, wasn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I think um, this could be good. I mean, I'm certainly going to pick it up because he's an interesting guy anyway. He's, he is, yeah. Yeah, so um, and we'll just see how much he dives into because I think I'm really interested in the run-up to Who, it would be good to find out how he got involved in the first place, whether his agent just said, oh, Doctor Who's coming up, join an audition, or whether mm. he had more of a... Because I remember when David Tennant uh, has talked in the past about him being cast for Doctor Who, um, he actually went over to Russell T. Davis's house one evening and Julie was there and he went through a couple of things and it, it seemed a bit more... Uh, direct with David Tennant rather than going through an agent and proper mm. process and stuff. So I'd like to find out how he actually got involved in it and also what happened because he has revealed a little bit, hasn't he, over the years about his, yeah. his unhappiness with how the show was going in the direction and a bit of a fallout with Russell. And uh, so it'd be uh, just for the gossip's sake <laughs> to find out. Mm. He might not even go into that, but. He'd, he'd be a fool not to, though, because he knows that if he wants this to sell, he knows what people are what, wanting. You know, he yeah. knows that we, we want it. We don't necessarily need to know all the juicy details, but it, we want to hear like all the stuff you've just said, how we got involved. And, and he did have a, as far as I know, he had a fairly good and um, long running ish uh, working relationship with RTD. Because I remember he did quite a few things with RTD before Dot 2, like mm. The Second Coming, which was brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, so they must have got along for a while. <laughs> so I, it always saddens me to think, because I know RTD cast him in a couple of his things. I forget what the other one was now. And I always think it's such a shame that that went sour, because they obviously did have a good working relationship um, for a while. Uh, and then Chris, I think, was quoted as saying, you know, we'll never be friends again quite recently wasn't he and i thought god oh, no that's really sad to hear that yeah I think um so a real clash of minds around yeah it must i can't been, imagine yeah. anyone falling out of rtd i don't know i'm sure he, everyone's got two sides i know that but yeah, he just always yeah. comes across as just the nicest but i just can't understand it but anyway yeah it'd be interesting to hear a bit behind the scenes yeah yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. so that's out in september you can pre-order from amazon and probably some other uh, bookshop, uh, online bookshops, and so on. It's um, sixteen ninety nine at the moment, September nineteenth. 
that's not a bad price, is it? Yeah, it's definitely going to be worth a read, I think, for sure. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Okay, the other thing that Dalek Tat has thrown in front of us to talk about is uh, is for the one for the cosplayers. Uh, Abbey Shot's 12th Doctor's coat, uh, based on the one he wore in Series 9, is shipping now. So they they did a bit of a thing on this, like with a lot of the stuff that they, they had to get 100 pre-orders in before they could commission it. Um, I think they did that recently with the 13th Doctor's coat, which didn't reach its target so they put a big thing up saying that had been exterminated and wasn't happening mm-hmm. but the 12th doctor's coat it's got enough uh, pre-orders and it is actually shipping now so it's the navy coat with the red lining it looks very very nice um i'm trying to work out why it's the series nine coat like what is different from his i thought this is what he wore in series eight but maybe there's a couple of i'm sure anyone out there who's a big cosplayer will know what the differences are but um it basically mm. is the navy blue coat with the red lining, and it looks very, very nice. And it will set you back. Well, it's two hundred and seventy-four dollars ninety-nine cent, um, which works out about what two two hundred and fifty quid, um, roughly. Yeah, two thirty, two thirty, something like that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got a spare two hundred and something quid in your pocket and you fancy one of these coats, it does look very nice. I mean, if I had the cash, I might get one, but yeah. I, I, I always worry about ordering anything online when it comes to clothes because, uh, you know, I, I like to try it on. And normally, the, I don't know about you, you probably don't have this problem, but because I'm small, <laughs> uh, normally and small and round, normally if I put something on, the arms are always too long. And so I don't know, I'd be worried about the size for myself. But <laughs> yeah, it looks cool though, dude. Yeah, 250 odd quid if you want one. Yeah, it does look pretty good for those 12th Doctor cosplayers out there. That's, um, yeah. The quality does look pretty good. It's like a proper um, wall blend with the um, the lining on the inside. Looks quite luxurious, should I say? Yeah, it's all kosher, should I say? And they've even got the little touch of the buttons on the sleeve. The middle one's red to match the lining and and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, a bunch of Twelfth Doctor fans who could tell us the difference between coats if there is one. Um, but nevertheless, it looks very good. I shall have to ask my friend Reese because he's, I think he's literally just got this. Um, he was posting some pictures in the chat the other day and I'm sure it was this version. I'll have to ask him when I see him because he's a mass, he's so into the cosplay and he can tell me anything when it comes to the, it probably is the button is different and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll ask him. I know he's very pleased with it. I'm pretty sure it was this one that he's just received. It must be because it's Abbey Shot, which is where he got it. So yeah, yeah. looks nice. Looks very nice. One Indeed. for Christmas. Yeah. Abbeyshot.com and you'll see it on there. Indeed. Uh, right, that's going to do for news. Oh, well, no news. That's going to do for merch. Mm. Uh, shall we crack on with our review? What are we doing this week, dude? Delete. Delete. <laughs> yes, it's the, the Cybermen two-parter from Series 2. So, Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. So, this is London. An alternative to our world where everything's the same, but a little bit different. We're in some sort of no place. <laughs> People disappearing off the streets. It's been going on for months. What are they all doing? It's the earpieces. The prototype was passed every test, sir. It's working. I've seen them before. What are they? Skin of metal and a body that will never age. Cybers. You will never age. Cybers. <laughs> Cybers, yes. Uh, so the two, this two-parter was first broadcast. So uh, Rise of the Cybermen first went out in uh, on the 13th of May 2006. 
Uh, it was written by uh, Tom McRae, uh, directed by Graham Harper. And then the second part, The Age of Steel, went out on the 20th of May, uh, written and directed by the same people. Uh, the uh, story is um, quite simply, uh, the Doctor and Rose and Mickey are happily having a laugh and a crack well the Doctor and Rose are in the TARDIS and it crash lands and it turns out that they're in some kind of uh, parallel universe or world where Rose's parents are still alive, well, uh, dad's still alive, but they haven't had any children. Um, and there's a, a guy uh, by the name of uh, John Lumick who is building this, uh, well, he's, he's made a load of stuff that's evident throughout the entire city of London and some other places uh, everyone wears earpieces and it's all everyone's communicated and linked up but it turns out there's a more sinister plan afoot where he plans to uh, upgrade people uh, down to his own selfish reasons um, and it turns out that these upgrades are essentially upgrading people into cybermen hmm. and uh, um, yeah so in the second part uh, Lumit goes absolutely bonkers um, <laughs> It turns out he doesn't want to be converted to the Sidemen, but gets converted anyway. Um, and then, yeah, it's down to uh, the Doctor and Rose in their nice suits and tuxedos, uh, along with Mickey, who gets kind of goes off on his own little storyline. Um, mm. There's two Mickeys in this uh, alternate world. There's Ricky and Mickey. Ricky is the leader of this like resistance group, and uh, he gets killed, so Mickey takes over, and they help the Doctor in bringing down uh, Lumix's factory and so on. So, this two-parter, mate, what do you reckon? What are your feelings on this one? Mm. So, um, as we said earlier at the start of the podcast, I haven't watched this one for a long time. Um, I really enjoyed going back to this, actually. I I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, there are, it might not sound like it by the time we get to this review, because there are things I really don't like about it, um, mainly the Cybermen and all their voices and delete and all this stuff. But... As a story and a, and a two-parter, um, I found it a really fun watch, actually. There was some nice humour in it. The Cybermen, although I don't particularly like the design, um, they are, thanks to the direction of Graham Harper, quite scary in places. Like They're shot really well. They do look quite looming. Um, I'll go into how much I hate the stomping later, because <laughs> I, I have a problem with the Cybermen in this, but but I think Graham Harford does a great job at making them scary, when actually they're, they're, I think they're quite awful in design. But um, but yeah, I, I thought it was good, and I thought the cast worked well. I thought the story was decent. I like the idea of the alternative universe. Very interesting, that start with the TARDIS, just basically getting to the end of it, just dying and, and, and there being this glimmer of hope of this little spark left that the doctor uses to reignite it. I thought it was a lovely idea that, and something I'd completely forgotten about since I last watched this. So yeah, so it's, it's getting a thumbs up. I, I'm not saying it's brilliant because there is quite a bit in there that I didn't think was that great, but there is a lot to enjoy in this one. And um, as I said, I certainly enjoyed going back to this one and rewatching it. I thought it was uh yeah, I thought it was a fun watch overall. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I don't like this story, mate. You don't like it? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's not good, guys. No, come on. You're, 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 <laughs> you're teasing me. You love it. <laughs> I'm being completely genuine. I, I'm, How are you? Okay. Yeah. I, there's something about this story that I just really do not like. Wow, that does surprise me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Is it because your wife likes tenant in a tux and you just <laughs> just can't handle the rivalry? No. Yeah. Okay. Got nothing. Well, do you know what, mate? I think it, when I was watching, I'm, like we said earlier, I haven't seen this one in a long time. Mm. And when I was re-watching this yesterday evening, um, just pretty much in the first 10 minutes, I thought, what is going on here? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought okay. to myself, what is going on with this? It just feels like there are two prongs of mm. disappointment for me. The first one is the performances in the first story, Rise of the Cybermen, are horrific. Like, really, really bad, in my opinion. And then from, from all the cast or? Most of them. Okay. Most of them, yeah. And the second part of disappointment is in the second part, the Age of Steel, is the Cybermen themselves are just ridiculously, pointlessly poor in all aspects. Because they, because in the new era of Cybermen, they don't walk at a normal pace like some of the old stories do. Like, say, for example, Earthshock. When you see a lot of the Cybermen walking around the big freighter that they're on, uh, yeah. they're walking along at a pace that would match a human's pace of walking. Yeah. Mm. So in the new ones, though, they do this big, elaborate, over-the-top stomping thing. I know, which, yeah. Which makes them really slow. So everybody can... And because they have no kind of projectile weapons at all, they rely on touch to electrocute people everyone can just merely run away. And they kind of solved that in some of the later stories by making them fly, which is even more ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this one, it's they're just so easy to evade. Like there's the scene where uh, they're on the streets at night and they're sort of hiding from them. And they sort of run up to a group of them. They're like, oh no, the Cybermen. So they just turn around and very easily run the other way and leave them behind. They run into another group of them. Oh no, how are we going to get away from these? I know, we'll just run away. So they just run away. And it, and then Lumic as the cyber controller, he comes out on a bloody armchair that's made <laughs> up of hose pipes and garden hoses and stuff. And, and, it, and, it's, yeah. and it's, yeah, and I've got to be honest, mate, when this was done, I thought, thank God this is over. Wow, I am surprised. I'm sur I mean, yeah. I absolutely agree with you about the Cybermen. And um, I think I've said this a few times, so people are now not just saying it's agree with you, but I, they're my biggest bugbear with this story. Because yeah. um, I, I, overall, I like the story. I thought, I thought the cast, maybe not supporting cast, but I thought the main cast were quite good. Because I, I liked seeing Jackie and and um pete back together in an alternative universe so that's quite fun but but the cybermen yeah i absolutely to the point of absolute frustration mm -hmm. uh in the new series i mean not just this story but I, I don't think there's i'm trying to think i don't think there's any cybermen story in the new series where i particularly like the design or or them um but the the stomping feet thing i absolutely couldn't agree with you more it drove me insane in this story because it's so annoying like, like you said, they just stomp around. They look ridiculous. And like you said, they're so easy to get away from. And what, what I was saying earlier about how Graham Harper does somehow manage to make them creepy in places. There's that scene when the Doctor and 
whatever her name is are walking through the corridor they slowly start coming to life and you sort of see the hands moving a little bit and so he does manage to do that and he does some nice lower shots of them bursting through the glass and they look quite good in them shots but but the whole yeah the whole sort of stomping up to you really slowly um and, and so loudly i mean they'd never creep up on you would they no. <laughs> he'd never and and i hate the the, the voice i absolutely the the, the voice drove me crackers delete delete it just, <laughs> it just sounds awful and i yeah i yeah. think i was going to ask you this i don't, I don't like the fact that they felt they had to give the cybermen a catchphrase because like uh, to me it's like they've thought right the daleks say exterminate so what can the cybermen say oh i know delete delete the site uh, you know they've never needed a catchphrase up till now so why did they feel at this point we need to give the cybermen a catchphrase it just slightly grinds my gears to be honest so <laughs> i i do absolutely agree with you and so i was going to come on to this a bit later because as i said earlier i probably sound like i don't like this story <laughs> but i did quite enjoy it but but i just don't like the new yeah serious cybermen i think they have become even worse uh, in nightmare and silver i mean they go from being stomping around to these super um quick design and they yeah it's just horrible i think but but I did, in terms of the actual story in the alternative universe, and and I liked seeing Jackie and Pete back and, and all that. And I, I thought there was some nice humour in it, the fact that Rose is a dog in the alternative <laughs> universe and stuff like that. There were bits I found really enjoyable, and, um, and Mickey meeting his nan and stuff like that. I couldn't help but notice that when he's talking to his grand, I was really distracted by this. It's such a silly thing as well. You can see the entire camera crew in her glasses and it's not just one or two shots because yeah. once i spotted it i couldn't sort of stop looking i was like oh my god you can see everything like the boom man holding it you can see the whole crew filming i'm really surprised that they they didn't pick up on that um but yeah, yeah I, I did yeah overall i enjoyed it as i said i'm not saying it's great and it would certainly be a lot better if the cybermen were better served in it i also don't really get the code thing that they've defeated at the end by the code i sort of get the idea around it but I don't get why them realizing who they are makes their heads explode and stuff like that. I'm not sure that that kind of felt a bit thing with me as well, but, but it is, yeah, I thought there was enough going on in it in terms of action and story and stuff like that. Cause okay. I remember the first time I watched this finding it quite dull. I, I know, I know I wasn't overtaken with it when it first aired back in 90, uh, sorry, back in 2000 and what was it? Six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I ever watched this thinking, well, that was all right, but it's a bit bit boring. Um, so I think that's why I haven't gone back to it too much over the years. So maybe I sort of went into it with low expectations because it seemed, seemed, I wouldn't say better than I remember, but it seemed more fun than I remembered, okay. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, again, it's going to sound like I don't like this story, but I do. But <laughs> the other thing that did great on me a lot in this was the Doctor and Rose. They're the whole, I get why they do it because mickey leaves at the end which is another thing i'd completely forgotten about um because he keeps noticing how close to dr and rose are doesn't he and he's getting a bit fed up of it and yeah, yeah. and that kind of annoys me as well because i'm thinking you know just leave the girl alone you know it's, i just i just find all that stuff between the doctor and rose really irritating as well there's bits where they're just very very sickly in this um, so that was the other reason that I'm, uh, when it comes to my score, it won't be anywhere near a nine or 10. Uh, definitely not because of things like that, that and the Cybermen. But yeah, but anyway, I, overall, I thought it was, thought it was okay. Certainly, certainly found it very watchable. Okay. Yeah. One mm. of the, um, the other things that done my, done my head in was 
even from the very beginning when you see uh, the Doctor and Rose sitting together in the TARDIS and they're having a laugh. Oh, and Mickey's holding the. He's yeah. like, when can I take my finger off this? Yeah. Yeah. And they're just teasing him, really. And there's no. That in itself isn't any. That's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, they're just teasing him. Um, but then they just never sort of let that go up until the point where he's just. You can tell he's just completely fed up with being like the third wheel. Yeah, and that's um, a bit I did. I didn't like that either. Yeah. I will admit that 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 annoyed me as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and but the, I guess they did it so that he leaves. That's the only thing reason I can think that they really sort of play up to that in this story, yeah. so that he just finally gets fed up and goes. But yeah, I didn't like that because it makes the doctor makes the character of the doctor a bit of a word that we don't use on the podcast, and a bit of a yes, indeed, yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah, and you know me, David Tennant is my doctor from mm. from the modern era. But in this particular story, I just really don't like him that much because, um, I mean, there's a there's a couple of times where he's he's, he's good as he normally is. Uh, normally, it's when he's not with Rose and Mickey. Funnily enough, yeah, the, the scenes when he's not with them, he's actually good. Like that scene you mentioned when they're walking down the corridor with the torches, uh, and he's with who is it, Mrs. Moore? Is it Mrs. Moore he's with? I don't know because she's got two names, isn't she? And I can't remember what they are. I think it is Mrs. Moore, and. <laughs> yeah. uh, those two are really good together and he's not being you know a bit of a the word we don't use towards mickey and he's not flirting with rose and, and mm. I, I don't know and like those scenes where it's with rose or rose and mickey he's got this kind of smirky face on him all the time and yeah uh yeah and it's really it's really disappointing i think it comes down to tom mccray's writing really i think he's he's really he he wrote those characters to be really like at their own little club if you like and they purposely don't want Mickey to be part of it because, and that's a, another another thing as well. Is I really, really don't like Rose in this story either because it's another one of those situations where she's got that moody, pouty face on her. Like when mm. they first land in the alternative world, and she realizes that her dad's still alive. You can you can see straight away in her face that, like you know, mission number one, high priority now is to is for me to satisfy my own. Uh, interest in yeah. finding out what my dad's really like because he's alive in this world and even though the doctor's saying you know you can't do that it's bad 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 you know he's got this bloody pouty face like but I want to do it so you know she's got this kind of bimbo-ish <laughs> like train of thought going on where that nothing in the world exists or matters it's like I, I have to see my dad and stuff and I just think oh for god's sake you know we had all this um, with Father's Day yeah, where she yeah. had to satisfy. And she saw what happened. Exactly. Yeah, she had to satisfy her own need, her selfish need to go and see her dad because he's now alive. And now this is that they've just reused the concept. You know, everyone's in the mess they're in, kind of. Yeah. Um, because Rose needs to go and do something. You know, I, I I I can't really speak too much in this review, mate. Otherwise, I'm going to be a real sourpuss <laughs> and I'm going to put a real deadener on on everything. But yeah, uh, let's talk about some good things though. Because there are some good bits in it. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the little resistance group that had formed around Ricky, the other, the alternative Mickey. Mm. And uh, it's kind it's it, it, to me, it was like a really cool, they don't need the Doctor in this alternate world. They're fighting back and doing their own thing. They don't need him to turn up and save the day. And even though you can tell that a few people have been captured and killed, whatever, uh, they're still fight in the fight if you like yeah uh, it had a kind fact, of uh 
resistance from Star Wars feel about it. Hmm. In fact, there's a bit in it where the Doctor feels like he's a bit unneeded, isn't it? He's like, well, I'm the Doctor if anyone cares or something <laughs> like that. And they're like, mm, yeah. not really. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I thought they were a good little group of characters. I particularly like the, is it Mrs. Moore, is it, that goes, you know, that goes off with the Doctor um, and she just gets killed, actually. I must admit that when the Doctor doesn't react very shocked when she does get electrocuted by that Cyberman, he kind of just gets walked, you know, um, shoveled off. But, um, yeah, I thought <laughs> she was a good character. I, I like, like you, I like that little resistance group. And it's interesting having the Ricky character <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, he got killed off a lot quicker than I remember as well. I thought he was in it more or less right to the end for some reason. But, um, but yeah, I thought that was a good as- aspect of it as well. Yeah, and they, um, the way that they, the, the effect of having the split, uh, the split screen with Ricky and Mickey in it at the same, mm. that was that holds up fairly well as well. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Was, it worked. Yeah, yeah. But I thought Noel Clark had a pretty decent, um, perf- gave a pretty decent performance in both these parts because he's kind, he's got this. Uh, like there's there's a scene of two tales really the bit where the doctor's in the middle and rose is like well i'm going off because we've got 24 hours that's annoying because like i said she needs to go and do that but mickey's he's up for it he's like yep i'll see you in 24 hours i've got stuff to do and then he goes straight away to see his old nan doesn't he and that's the bit i liked and yeah. that was beautiful that moment because mm. in our world she slipped on the carpet and died yeah and in this world she hasn't she he can see that the carpet's ripped can't he yeah but she still hasn't a- slipped yet yeah I did notice though he says when he does leave at the end he's like well you know my nan's here I need to need to look out for her and then in the very next scene he's getting in the van with old mate boy and saying right should we go to Paris <laughs> like, oh you forgot your nan pretty quick didn't you he's like oh never mind nan she'll be alright yeah he forgot old nan didn't you <laughs> yeah, he forgot her very quickly didn't he suddenly Paris came up but it's funny you say that because I thought Noel Clark was great as Mickey in this I thought he gave a really good performance because um, he's quite sort of um uh He's the sort of softer version anywhere, whereas Rick is very, you know, he's the hard nut. Um, but yeah. I thought he was a bit OTT as Ricky. <laughs> to be honest. I thought he was trying a bit too hard to be a different character, whereas I thought he was brilliant in his sort of much more softer performance as Mickey. Um, it's, it's surprising that, because when you think about some of the films No Clark's done, yeah. you know, like adulthood and stuff, um, you'd think he'd be quite good at being a bit more gangster-like. <laughs> but I just thought it was a bit, a bit sort of caricature. There's lots of scrunching in the face and, oh, what am I going to do? But, you know, and I just thought he was a bit OTT, really. But but both performances thought right. I just, but I particularly thought he was good at Mickey playing that sort of slightly wounded look, you know, all that stuff going on. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's, um, he, he definitely played the Mickey part of it a bit more subtle. Yeah, subtle, more that's the word, yeah. Emotional, yeah. I think um, when he was playing Ricky... I think potentially the director got him to really emphasize the the bad guy. Yeah. The more it, menacing, tough nut kind of character. Just so when you saw both of them on screen, the divide was really obvious. Mm. But he did ham it up a little bit, didn't he, as Ricky? I think he did, yeah. just a touch too much, yeah. <laughs> and I thought they could have played up to when when Mickey comes back, he could have I thought he was gonna to pretend to be Ricky for a while, but they didn't go down that road. <laughs> he no. could give straight away says, No, it's all right, I'm I'm Mickey. Like I thought he might toughen up and try and pretend to be Ricky, but he didn't. No, yeah, no. but I did think Noel Clark was very good in this, and it was a nice story of him. I'm surprised that completely forgot that he leaves at the end of this. Do we see him again? Yeah, apart yeah. apart from yeah, but apart from that little bit when he's with Martha. Yeah, we do. We see that he comes back in 
uh, the end of time part one and two because we got all the no was it the stolen earth there's one of them we've got all the crew together oh yeah because I'm trying to work out because the doctor does say to him at the end we can never come back he's very quick to leave he's very quick to leave in there as well you know all the sort of consequences of leaving him there the doctor's very quick to say yeah okay well have a good one <laughs> yeah. Um, never mind that. Don't worry about your family back in the your universe that will wonder where you've gone. <laughs> you know, you just stay here and enjoy yourself. But um, yeah, I don't know. He it, it, it does come back then, does he? Because that's what I was thinking. How does the doctor get back? Because he says he says we can't ever see you again. Oh, mate. Um, yeah. I mean, how I don't, does I'd he say, come back? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody out there I know because he ends up with Martha, doesn't he? He's Isn't married. there like a little bit in? Yeah, when that's they're like the getting end, married though. or something. Well, that's at yeah. the very end of Tenants Run, like, uh, you know, the specials at the very last one. Yeah, they're fighting against um, some. But they're tyrants, like together, aren't they? They're and like they're a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, he definitely turns up in. He's in the two thousand and eight end one, Journey's End. Yeah, uh, that's the only, and then he's in very briefly, like we said with Martha at the end of time. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure how he comes back, though. No. For, the, uh, for Journey's End. I don't know. He, he comes back somehow. <laughs> yeah, he comes back. Well, it's good, because I, I think the, there's been a good progression with, with um, Mickey's character as well. If you think about him in the first episode, Rose, where he's sort of, um, you know, he's a bit of a wet lettuce, isn't he, in that <laughs> yeah. one? And uh, although he's still got that side to him in this, he's he's definitely progressed in terms of his acting as well. He's, I think, he's, as I said, he gives a really good performance. But his character's definitely built. And, you know, this whole thing about realising that him and Rose are pretty much finished and he's, you know, sort of like the spare wheel, um, which I think sort of becomes apparent in School Reunion, doesn't it? He's, like, he says, yeah. I'm the tin dog and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's a good, fairly good character progression for him which uh, pays off nicely in this story, if you like. Yeah. Mm. No, for sure. He's, he's pretty good in it, actually. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's decent, isn't it? Yeah. That's got me thinking now, though. How did he come back? For <laughs> so, I know. Journey's I was thinking end. it all the way through. I said, when he left, I was thinking, yeah, but that's, I'm sure that's not the last we see of Mickey. Yeah. It's somebody, not, somebody a bit, this will be one of those moments when people are screaming at the podcast, you fools! This is how he comes back, but I can't remember. I haven't watched um, Stolen Earth for... For years. <laughs> Unless it's in another story somewhere that he came back before that. Mm. Oh, God. I don't, we'll have to look at that afterwards, yeah. Um, uh, did you um, did you have a preference of part one or two, by the way? Because I, I definitely preferred part one of this. I felt I thought part two started off good, sagged in the middle, a lot of chasing around, and then finished up quite good. But I think out of the two, I definitely preferred the first part when we were getting to know this alternative universe and the Zeppelins and you know, Pete and Jackie and all that sort of stuff. The the second part just felt like standard running around and explosions and didn't seem, you know, didn't seem to have as much content, I didn't think. No, I agree. Yeah, I thought the first one, Rise, was was better. Better, yeah. Yeah, I was hoping to see... It's kind of weird as well because they they tried not to show the Cybermen right at the beginning. You know, the opening know. scene with the scientists and Lumic. Yeah. They do this thing where the camera's got like a it's out of focus and a really bright light and you see kind of a metal figure standing there and it's it's obvious it's the Cybermen they just don't want to show it in until focus the, yet, until the yeah. end of all the <laughs> yeah which is weird if you're going to blur if you're going to blur out you know and make it a bit more abstract 
mm. and do that. But don't just basically show the side. You know, it's basically the side moment, which is weird. Um, but I'd like to have seen them in it earlier. I would you like would, to have yeah. seen them about 10 minutes before the end. Uh, all that stuff kicking off because um, up to that point, it was, it was yeah, I can't say it was great in my opinion. It, it was better mm. though than Age of Steel, the first one. But it would just been, because in Age of Steel, uh, it just kind of drags on a little bit until the last five, ten, five, ten minutes. Yeah, and I do, I do like that. I do like that last sort of ten minutes when the Doctor's saying to sort of giving Mickey the clues. You know, I do like the way that Tennant does that. It's like even an idiot could do it if he had the code and he's letting him know. Oh yeah, okay, right. The code. So I, I thought that was a nice end scene. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think so. From what you're saying, I think you agree with me about the Cybermen design. You're not really that keen on that. Not really, mate. No. And how do you feel about the voice and the and the catchphrase? Are you, do you agree with me on that? that? It's a bit. Or do you like the voice and what do you think of the delete thing? Because I I find it really irritating. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you on the delete thing. That's a little bit the catchphrase. A little yeah. bit weird. Yeah. I mean, the voice uh, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's not amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It, is, but, I think is it they try are they trying to do a sort of modern version of the Mondas? You know the Mondas have got that really strange. Sort of maybe they're trying to do a modern version of that. I, I don't know, but I just never liked the voice on this. It sounds too muffled and stuff. I, t- I tell you what, as much as I don't like the design of this the Cybermen, there is one I think really nice um cgi shot where you know you've got all the machines that are cutting people up and turning them oh, into yeah. cyber yeah. yeah um there is one shot where a sort of cgi cyber helmet gets lowered down in front of the camera uh, <laughs> in that scene and i thought that was really nice actually it kind of looked quite the darth vader moment yeah i, sp- I suppose yeah. it is actually yeah yeah but i thought that was a nice little thing but even though i don't particularly like the design i thought well, yeah that looks pretty good actually yeah. and also the shot of um old cyber leader when he's falling down into the fire at the end. I thought, well, that's not bad, considering this is now, mm-hmm. what, 12 years old? Yeah, yeah. It L- looked fairly, yeah. fairly decent. It so, did, actually. Because it is yeah. quite epic in scale. Well, they are really, they are trying, this is quite an ambitious story in, in terms of probably push the budget a bit, mm. I should think. Um, but I, I hate the way the Cybermen move. It's you annoying, know? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not just talking about the stomping, but, you know, there's bits when they're, you know, when they're surrounding people in the... Um, party at the end of episode one or the start of episode two and oh yeah they yeah. sort of do all this sort of jerking it's a bit like someone doing the robot dance but in <laughs> slow motion it's like i am a robot i am a cyber man i'm all jerky in my movements it's like no i don't know the Cybermen didn't used to do that why are you suddenly i don't know i i could probably go on forever about how much the the, yeah. the new series Cybermen annoy me to be honest i think they but, went more towards the other scale of yeah, so in the old, I suppose they are alternative universe. I suppose yeah, I could let them off on that sense, but yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, yeah, they are a bit too robotic, and it, it hinders their sort of ability to kill people as well. Because, like I said, they move so clunky and slow. <laughs> yeah, you can just run away very easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think to everyone wearing the double earpieces? That annoyed me because everyone's got these Bluetoothy type. Um, earpieces in in both ears, yeah. haven't they? I don't yeah. know about you, mate, but I couldn't stand that after about an hour of wearing <laughs> those things. But people seem to have... There doesn't seem to be any law against having to have them because the Doctor and Rose and Mickey, they, they all wander around the streets and pass 
policemen and stuff with no bother at all. Mm. So why would why does everyone else? I can't believe that literally every single person is happy or wants to wear earpieces in both ears all day, every day. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I mean, there's a bit where Jackie's like sat in the mirror and she suddenly has a little Cyberman. Uh, yeah. What do you call them? Talons at the either side of her head. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. It, it didn't really bug me, but it also. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly good. I mean, I like the idea that we're they're at a stage where they just get fed all information at the same time straight into their brain and then they get a joke at the end of it. I thought, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I can't see it, I can't yeah. see everyone. I, I know what you mean. It was a little dig, basically, wasn't it, at people being glued to their phones nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. wasn't it? It was a little everyone's connected all the time, essentially. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. What did you think when old Cyber Jackie turned up? Because I'd forgotten about that moment as well. So, because they, they put some fake earplugs in to get into the factory, and yeah. then their face was Cyber Jackie. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's and good. I thought, oh, that actually was a good. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a good moment. And again, completely forgotten that that happened because I, I thought she escaped. Again, I forgot that she got killed off so quick. So, yeah, I thought that was a good moment, and mm. they like have to face the fact that oh my gosh, Jackie is. Cyberman. <laughs> it was good actually. It was sad yeah. as well because yeah. there's no going. There's no going back. She no. can't be unupgraded. She can't be downgraded. Should I say? <laughs> no. Um, she's she's a goner. She's a goner. Yeah. So that was pretty sad actually, and a shocking moment as well, because you just don't think of you just like the, the your main cast members, especially in something like Doctor Who. You just don't imagine them, you know, coming to a demise like that. No, I thought it was a good. Yeah, I mm. did think that was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's rattle through some characters. Mm. Uh, what did you think to the young Geordie lad who was running around with Ricky? What's his name? Uh, what's his name? Oh, I thought he was Jake. Sorry, Jake, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, I thought he was okay. Uh, age Andrew Hayden Smith. Yeah, I thought he was all right. Actually, thought he was gave a good, fairly decent performance. Yeah, uh, he didn't stand out. I mean, I didn't sort of think, "Guy, oh, he's good." If he comes back, but I thought he was good enough as part of that little team. Yeah, he um, a little bit like how um, an old Clark played Ricky. He, there was a couple of times he was hamming it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, I wouldn't say he was the best, but he wasn't bad. Yeah, it was not too bad. Uh, what did you think to um, Mrs. Moore then? What was her other name? Angela Smith, I, was it? No, I liked her. I think we could have got a bit more of her because, like you said, I think the scenes of her and Tennant together, um, I think she was killed off a bit too quick because when the story was sagging in part two a bit, we could have had some good stuff between those two. Yeah. Um, Angela Price, sorry, her other name. Yeah. Angela Price, that's right. So, yeah, I, I, I liked her character and I thought she gave a good performance. I, as I said, I think we could have had a bit more with her. I think she was good, a bit bit wasted. Yeah, she was one of the better supporting cast members, I thought. I would have preferred to have seen her and Mickey in the balloon at the end than Mickey and... Um, Jake, to be honest, I think it would have been more interesting if she had survived and perhaps Jake had been knocked off. But anyway, yeah, I thought she was good. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to the the assistant to John Lumick? He's the sort of Cockney. Herbert oh, he's guy. the uh, Cockney geezer, isn't he? And I don't yeah. want to be converted, mate. Um, What's his name? His character name was it, Mister Crane? Yeah, Mister Crane. Yeah, Colin yeah, Spall. Yeah. Uh, well, he was all in. right. Yeah, Ugh. he wasn't great, was he? Come on, it was. He... All right, all right, geezer. Yeah. Um, 
get in that van. Governor, uh, yeah, I don't want to go through this. Governor, yeah. yeah, he was chewing the scenery a bit, I must admit. Um, I didn't think he was awful. I'm sure we've seen worse. Oh, but... he wasn't awful, no. But... No, no. Well, I know what you mean. It was a bit too, I'm a cockney. It was a bit too, again, a bit too caricature, wasn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, what about the president of London, of the of the UK? <laughs> Don Warrington. Don Warrington, yeah. Well, actually, again, I, I quite, li- I think you're going to disagree with me here, but I quite liked him uh, as the president. I, I don't know. I, I think it's because I like Don Warrington anyway, because I remember him from Rising Damp and stuff like that. So, mm. um, I actually, I actually did did like him in this. I like it when he stands up to Cybermen at the end, and he's like, "Well, what what happens if I don't agree?" And you think, "Well, oh, you're, you're going to get it, Mr. President. You're going to you're going to get it big." Um, but I, I liked him in it. I I thought he, he was a nice little performance from him. Yeah, he's he was actually okay. I quite oh, liked okay. him. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. you were going to say he was too hammy, but I yeah. No, he was actually okay. He was kind yeah. of uh, had this bluntness to him, which was quite good. And he he didn't take any mess in from Lumic either. He was that's the bit I liked. Yeah, it's when he said to Lumic, you know, yeah. you, you're mad. This is never ha- going to happen. Yeah. yeah. No, he was all right actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about good old Roger Lloyd Pack then, John Lumic? Well, I didn't li- really like his performance actually. Oh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Oh, no, I was actually quite disappointed. I was disappointed at the time because I remember sort of like seeing him in the trailers thinking, oh, he'll be good. Because normally when you get a, you know, an actor that's mostly known for being comedic, they very often turn out to be very good actors at playing evil and stuff like that. You know, they've obviously got they've normally got a good sort of side to them that you don't often see. Um, So I was expecting better from him. And I thought this at the time, and I still think it now when I rewatched this last night. He just is just a caricature, almost pantomime-like performance. Um, and weirdly enough, watching it again, it's not really in his acting. It's just the way he's saying the lines and the, and the, and the voice, if that makes sense. Because he's not like... <laughs> I don't know how I could explain it, but it's not like if you if you watch if you watched him without the sound down, his sort of facial expressions and that it does look quite evil. Yeah. But it's just yeah. he's sort of saying everything like I'm a baddie and I'm gonna bring down the world. And it's just <laughs> a bit too like, God, tone it down, Roger, for crying out loud. So I don't think yeah, he just didn't really work for me in this story. Um I just didn't buy into his character. It just it felt like a performance to me. Um and I thought he'd be really good, but he yeah. I'm just not a fan of him in this. No, I know what you mean. And it's a shame, really, because over the years, um, not only um, as playing Trigger in Only Fools, but uh, as Owen from The Vicar of Dibley, just had me in stitches over the years. Um, mm. But he just falls foul of that because he, I don't know if you've ever seen Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. Any of those films. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I've seen them all. He did, a, he did a very similar thing when he played Barty Crouch Sr., in that mm. film where the way he speaks and the way he comes across is, I don't know, whenever he's doing it's not something straight up comedy. Yeah. It's like this strange kind of voice. And I will yeah. speak like, I don't know. It just grates on you after a little while, which is such a shame because he's such a good, you know, he's a good old, you know, British actor that's sort of earned his stripes over the years and he's got tons mm. of experience, but it, I don't know. It just, I, what I can't know. work out is, is he seems to be talking as if he's already, half transformed into a sideman right from the start like if he sort of if he worked up to talking in that weird mannerism 
you think, okay, yeah, he's slowly turning to Cyberman or whatever, but he's like it right from the get-go, and it just it's very jarring. And I think it's a shame because I actually think there's a really there's quite a decent character there for him to get to grips with. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't do it for me. I'm not saying he's really bad. He's not. He's not cringe or anything like that. But I just think he didn't reach the potential of of the John Lumet character at all. Mm. And I think it is mainly down to the the voice, if that makes sense. It's yes. just the way he yeah. says the w- lines. It just sounds very theatre. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, sorry. Not impressed with John. Yeah. Roger LePac. I always call him John. I did that <laughs> when I met him and he got grumpy. <laughs> well, for some reason, I always call him John. Roger LePac. A bit like him always calling Rodney Dave. Yeah. <laughs> right, Dave? When I met him, I called him jo- John for some reason. Yeah. He probably thought I was taking a mic here. Yeah, he was a bit grumpy when I met him. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, Not very good. Uh, Pete and Jackie then. Sean Dingwall and Camille Kajuri. Classic, well, now classic Jackie. I liked them in this. I, I yeah. actually think Sean Dingwall was Pete. I think he's a good little actor, actually. He is, um, and I, yeah. I always warm towards Pete because he strikes me as the sort of downtrodden. He's always trying his best, but he's always got somebody telling him he's rubbish. And so I actually really like Pete's performance um, in this. And Camille Kaduri, I think I always think she's fun as Jackie. And the scene I loved, and I think you might have liked this one, is when. Rose goes and sits with her outside <laughs> and starts trying to tell her that I'll oh, give him another chance. And she's like, how dare you? Who are you? You're just starved. And she really lays into Rose, doesn't she? Cause she don't know that obviously she's Rose. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I thought she was good at this. I, I, I always think she's fun anyway, but yeah, the pair of them, I just think a really cool little duo. No, I agree. Yeah. I thought uh, yeah. Sean Dingwell was actually all right in this one. Yeah. He's got a bit more sincerity to him than Father's Day. I, I really yeah, like him yeah. in Father's Day, but yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Camille, she's just great, isn't she? All, she she's every episode, cool. she's in it. She's just, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Speaking about Noel Clark, um, I've we spoken have... about Billy Piper. What did you think to her uh, performance as Rose in this one? Uh, Performance-wise, I don't think she's too bad, but script-wise, yeah, she is irritating. There's a really annoying scene when she gets jealous because the doctor's chatted to her one of the um, bar staff. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, who's that then? And she's getting all thing. And I'm like, oh, Rose, give it a rest. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really criticizing Billy's performance. I just think she's written quite irritating in this. And quite, like you said, quite selfish. The character's written as very selfish, which is, I think, why Series 2 Rose gets such a bad rap. And mm-hmm. I do think it's justified, actually. Um, so, yeah, not really a criticism of Billy, but she isn't. the character is a bit annoying in this. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit annoying. Uh, when I started watching this last night, I think about 10 minutes in, uh, my wife just got up and went, I'm sorry, I can't watch Rose in. I do it, didn't. Yeah. I do agree. I didn't like the scene at the start when her and the Doctor are taking the mickey out of Mickey, <laughs> for one of them, when, he's, when they're like just laughing. Because they're like, they're like a pair of sort of school kids mm-hmm. in that beginning bit. And uh, again, it's more down to the writing than performance. But yeah, that is annoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about Tennant then? Well, I thought he was good in this. I know you're not not a fan of him, particularly this one. Um, I do absolutely agree with all the flirty stuff and all that. I absolutely agree. That is so annoying. And it does make his doctor to be a bit of a... But um, but there are moments, I think, when he's great in this. Because he does have to convey a lot of emotion. So he gets quite angry at times when he's shouting at him, telling him not to leave, which we know Tennant does anger well. He does moments of joy, like when he sees the little spark in the TARDIS and he realises there's a little bit of life left in it. I mean, he's great in moments like that. 
he absolutely is just a joy to watch when he's acting out scenes like that. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I don't think he was in full flow. You know, I don't think this is like one of his best performances. It's not up there with Waters of Mars or anything like that. But, uh, but I think he was decent in it with what he was given on the page. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was just up and down in it for me. There was times where I just really didn't like his character at all. The way yeah, he was coming across. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And there was other times when he was just, as I said, he was great as he always is as the Dr. Mosa, you know. When he sense. when he steps up, he's brilliant. I yes. mean, like at the end scene when he's just completely in control mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. taking control of the situation, he's great and stuff like that. And he's great in the sort of wondrous moments and doing you know doing all that. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I agree with you totally about that. Yes, yes. about the the way he was written as a bit of a mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh... Uh, scores. Is there anything you want to mention, though, before we put some scores down? No, just wondering what you think of the music, because uh, we're back to Murray Gold, obviously, because um, we're doing, you know, this era of Doctor Who. And he comes out with that cyber theme, which, weirdly, I used to hate. Um, <laughs> you know, the do-do-do-do-do. I used to think, oh, stop playing that theme. I actually didn't mind it watching this again. I thought his music was pretty good uh, in this story. Uh I didn't I just actually remember. I don't actually remember it too much. Oh right, okay. Um, I just wondered if that, if you like the cyber theme, because I don't know why. I didn't used to like that theme, but it's kind of grown on me a bit. It's you okay. Know, the yeah, because yeah. it does it does get a bit overplayed, I think. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I thought Murray's music was pretty decent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't got anything else. So the only other note I've got written down is, and I don't know why, <laughs> it just always bugs me that, you know, when the TARDIS lands in front of that lovely church in London oh, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. At the end, I swear it's in a totally different place. It is, yeah. But it shouldn't be because he can't move it. No. But, yeah, I don't know why <laughs> that always bugs me every time I watch it. I'm like, well, where, what's hap- how's the TARDIS moved? But anyway, that's the only other note I've got because it bugged me then and it bugs me bugs now. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, mate. It's Yeah. yeah. Uh, whose turn is it to go first? I think it's me. Or is it you? Oh, uh, I think it's you, actually. I think it's, it's you. Me. Yeah. Uh, I am going to give this a 4.5. Oh, my word. I'm shocked. I didn't think you'd go that low. I'm going in low. Going in low. Blimey. Well, I'm, I am quite ahead of you then. So I rated part one 7.5. I rated part two 7. So I'm going in at 7.5. 7.5. Wow. Okay. Overall, yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was decent. I thought it was decent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, mate... I. I'd never thought I'd hear myself say it, but uh, when yeah, when this was finished, I was just so glad that it was done. <laughs> wow, I don't think I felt like that since I last watched Nightmare in Silver. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know what to say, mate. I just didn't. This one doesn't click with me. Doesn't do it with you. No, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, uh, we had uh, some good decent reviews in from our listeners as always. We got a few audio cool. clips in. Uh, let's do Sammy from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel broadcast in the 40th anniversary year of the first ever Cybermen story, The Tenth Planet, hence why Jackie is turning 40, inspired by the Big Finish audio spare parts. The writer Tom McRae also wrote The Girl Who Waited, the late Roger Lloyd Pack, whom I will always remember as Owen from the Vicar of Dibley and Bridie Crouch Senior in the Harry Potter movies, does a decent job of John Lumick. Also, the cliffhanger at the end of Rise of the Cybermen is not bad. Chibbers, are you taking notes? Massive credit to Noel Clark for playing both Mickey and Ricky. I like the Doctor's line about hot dogs being the Cybermen of food. Also, Tenet in a tux. Fwah! 
I like Pete and Mrs. Moore. Jake too. I give it 9 Cyber Cyber Men out of 10. One off for ruining the lion sleeps tonight. See ya. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Sammy liking Tenant in a tux set. Yeah, um, yeah. Who can blame her? But I was going to say, I, feel, I liked the, the hot dog line as well. That made me laugh. The, the Cyberman. What does he say? The. The, the the food equivalent to Cybermen or something. I don't know. Something it's like a good that, line yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, this is Luke Malloy. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, John Lumix sleeps tonight. Hello, going Adam. It's Luke Malloy here and Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. This is the definition of a solid story, I think. All the characters are strong and all well-acted. Um, there's some great set pieces, like the Cybermen smashing through the window, uh, the blimp escape with the uh, cyber controller hanging on, and uh, the resolution is very good when tenants strolling around the room. And like, any old idiot can press some buttons. I always get goosebumps at that scene. Uh, and the humour is solid as well. Um, Rose being a dog in the parallel universe is great. And uh, I quite like the Rose jealousy in this one, uh, especially the line, or oh, maybe Lucy is just a bit thick. <laughs> um, it's a weird one this because I know it's good I know it's really good uh, but I'm just not totally fond of it that much which is probably right I'm going to give it a bit of a lower score with a 7 out of 10 thanks again 7 fair enough yeah 7 that's fair enough mate uh, let's move nice on nice bit of singing at the beginning there by the way yes nice singing <laughs> voice uh, let's move on our last one this is Matt Steele Hi, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again, taking a little break from saving the world to put on my review T-shirt <laughs> of the Big Blue Box podcast to do another review. So this time, Rise of the Sidemen, Age of Steel. Noel Clark, I think, gives a really strong performance as Mickey or, or Ricky in this story. Um, I think the oxygen mask falling from the TARDIS when it was crashing was a nice touch. Mm. Uh, I don't particularly like Jealous Rose much um, when she's waitressing, uh, although I do think the Cybermen were gen genuinely scary in this story. I remember watching this when it aired when I was probably about 10, and I had nightmares for weeks. Um, also, I like the character of um, Mrs. Moore. I think it was a shame they killed her off so soon. The main characters were all pretty good. The only criticism I would have is the the telly and the Zeppelin and uh, Rose's phone sort of dates the story a little bit. But overall, I give this eight emotional inhibitors out of ten. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. Nice one, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Thanks for taking time out from saving Gotham City or wherever you were this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he picked up uh, an official Big Blue Box t-shirt from our I shop saw. as well. Yeah, wear that with pride, Matt. Yeah, nice. Next, one, I can just Matt. imagine him doing like a Christopher Reeve opening his shirt out <laughs> to see the blue box T-shirt <laughs> underneath. I need to get a new one. Actually, my my blue box T-shirt doesn't fit anymore. I've got too fat. <laughs> I need to buy a, a new <laughs> the next size up. <laughs> Anyone that does want a big blue box uh, T-shirt or mug or whatever, just go to the website and at the top right hand corner, there's a little link that says shop. It'll take you over to Redbubble, I believe, uh, and you can pick up some <laughs> official merch. Yes. From there. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for your audio reviews. Uh, we had a few over on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, Jake. So Jake B said there's a good story. Love the Cybermen design. Uh, love the whole Ricky thing. Uh, one thing I don't understand is how on earth Pete was able to catch the sonic screwdriver at the end. I know. It's a lucky catch, that. Lucky one, yeah. Gives it an 8 out of 10. Cool. Uh, Sebling says uh, a pretty borderline average episode. Fun in some places, dull in others. Uh, isn't one I go back to in a hurry. Mm. Uh, our writer Jordan Shortman says it's alright I like the design of the Simon, but the second half drops the ball slightly 
Uh, yeah. The main cast is great. Uh, and Mickey's goodbye is surprisingly sad, even if it comes out of nowhere. Uh, overall, another good entry into series two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian JTC, love the Paolo Universe story. Great uh, story, but really do not like Stompy Cybermen. No, me either. Whew. Yes. Uh, Jamie Aspinall says, one of the best new Who Cybermen stories uh, aside the world enough in time. Eight Cybermats out of ten. The world enough in time. World enough in time, the Doctor Falls. Oh, yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Uh, Agoa's 04. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, absolutely fantastic Cyberman story. John Lumick mm-hmm. is great. The supporting cast do a good job and the soundtrack is excellent. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Scott. Um, oh, no, 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 that's not a review. That's just something else. Uh, sorry, The Who Society says overall a good story. Uh, it's not perfect, it does have a few flaws, uh, but there is plenty of enjoyment out of this one. Uh, it gives it a 7.5. Hey, same as me. Zombie Who 97. <laughs> says one of my all-time favorites uh, not just based on nostalgia but also the way it handles the cybermen uh, story has uh, made the cybermen scary and it was a good reintroduction as you could possibly hope for one of doctor who's greatest villains also the design is amazing a nine out of ten wow likes the design okay indeedy uh, and over on facebook uh, joseph howarth says it's okay just okay uh, i like the character development that mickey had in this two-part and i liked how he decided to take ricky's place once he had died but I wouldn't call this a brilliant story, but I've certainly seen worse. Mm. Uh, goes on to give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, Dean Jones says, as in my introduction to the Cybermen, all the way back into 2006, uh, I'll always hold a special place to this one, and the story itself is pretty solid. Uh, loved the parallel world, explores different sides of the characters, uh, despite uh, how silly the foot stomping is, I really like the Cybermen. Uh, gives yeah. it 8 out of 10. Uh, Chloe Anderson, uh, short and sweet, one of my all-time favourites, 9 out of 10. Uh, Kevin Mullen says, one of the few highlights from my least favourite series and mm. certainly my least favourite Doctor Companion pairings. Uh, there is darkness and body horror to the story that I really like, but it's not enough to cover up the cracks. Uh, Lumic is a pantomime villain and Don Warrington is woefully underused. Uh, gives yes. it a 4.5. Oh, same as you. Same as me, yeah. Uh, Miles McKenzie, the story which turned me into a fan. Uh, I love it for that very reason. I've got vivid memories of the Cybermen crashing into the house. Yeah. Uh, I love its Black Mirror vibes I got from it and how it built up the zombie-esque world. Uh, the use of the parallel world worked as well uh, and they uh, and it made that they could do anything and it would still be believable. Love the characters too, a 9 out of 10. Uh, Zach Jenkin gives it a 7.5 and Charlie Turner, the best new series Cybermen story so far. Uh, the concept of the parallel... Um, uh, it's very well done, even though it's not nearly as good as Inferno from John Pertwee's first season. Mm. Uh, it mm. gives it an 8 out of 10. 8. Cool. Cool. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for sending in all your views and reviews and whatnot. It's really good to hear uh, what fandom thinks of some of these older stories, which is really good. Uh, mm. Next week, we're zipping over to the Sarah Jane Adventures. What have we got next yeah. week, buddy? Yeah, cool. So this is the um, last story in Series 2, I believe, called Enemy of the Bane. Yay. Um, really Jane. looking forward to this because the, the next time trailer looked great and I spied the brig in it. Uh, and it's the, as I said, the last story in series two. So I'm, I may, I may be going into this with too high hopes because I haven't seen it before. But I'm really looking forward to this because it's like the series final, the Briggs in it. I really hope it's good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'm just trying not to get to because I can already feel that I'm too excited for it, and I don't, I don't want to get to the end and be like, <laughs> no. But no, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that next week. 
Indeed, yes. So uh, listeners, get your uh, DVDs or Blu-rays out and give that a watch because we'll be asking for your your thoughts as always. And yeah. uh, I think they'll wrap there, mate, for 2.30. Okie dokie. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us through episode 230. And I realised at the beginning of this show I didn't do the usual thing. So I hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something something Doctor Doctor Who related. Blimey, can't believe we forgot that. That must be a first for a while. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Wow. Just realised that right at the end. (laughs) Uh, Next week for 231, it's going to be the Sarah Jane Adventures Enemy of the Bane. So get that watched. Uh, in the meantime, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there and you can link off to the various podcast networks. Uh, so give us a sub on those so you don't miss a show when it lands every Friday morning. And there's also buttons to link off to the various social networks so that you can give us a like and a follow over there as we chat Doctor Who and other bits and pieces throughout the week. Also, check out my co-host's YouTube channel, the Geeks Handbag. Yes, indeed. Plenty of amazing videos over there. If you're into reviews, unboxings, competitions, or just everything is over there. And he's got it. It's got it all. Satisfy <laughs> your geek need. Uh, do a search for the Geeks Handbag on YouTube. Give Adam a like and a subscribe and all that jazz. And you're also on all the social networks under mm. the same name, the Geeks Handbag. Uh, so yeah, get involved. We've got a really cool community. Loads of. Uh, cool people and chat and whatnot on social every week which is good indeed uh, until next week for episode 231 my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and, and... <laughs> <laughs>